today I have a new friend and guest, Rebecca Babcock. So what we're going to talk about today is the importance and value of purpose as individuals and, of course, in the relationships. You got the praise, you got the money, you got the deal. But in that, at some point, you clearly had to put aside some of what you uniquely can do to, that makes you feel lit up for the sake of the bigger cause, the bigger purpose. I get so many men who come to me and say, I don't understand. I've been working so hard to provide for my family. I'm showing up for my family. And yet somehow I feel so empty inside. What can I do that makes me feel joyful? As far as I'm concerned, rock bottom in any aspect of your life is just as deep as you want to keep digging. So speak up. This is your life and you're allowed to love it and feel proud of it. And if you're listening to this and this is ringing a bell for you, the starting point is having a sense of what really does excite you. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we have a very special episode for you. I have a new friend and guest, Rebecca Babcock. Rebecca, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And most people screw up my name somehow. So thank you. Yes, Rebecca Babcock. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I got it right. Yeah, nailed it. And Rebecca is an expert whose own sense of purpose is derived from helping other people to find their sense of purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the importance and value of purpose as individuals and, of course, as relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's all said. Rebecca, how did your heart lead you to this work? How did this become your purpose? Well, it certainly didn't start out that way. So I'll try and tell a long story very short. I, I graduated from college. I graduated magna cum laude. Watch out world. Here I come. And I got a big, sparkly, fancy job in New York City. I worked in magazine publishing and I really rose the ranks doing that. And I got married and everything was right on track the way it's supposed to be. And by the time I was 35, my career in magazine publishing had ended, my marriage had ended, and I had a chronic autoimmune disease that wound me up in the hospital, having an emergency surgery to remove my entire colon. And I went on to have- You know, my wife has had that surgery too. We can talk after the show about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've had a chronic autoimmune disease since I was 16. And um, I really kind of suffered in silence and I suffered in silence in a lot of other areas. And all of a sudden I'm 35 and I'm like, what's this all for? You know, my career is, what am I supposed to do? And I felt I had the checklist all figured out and I got totally off course with this checklist. I got the degree from the good school. I got the fancy job. I lived in New York City. I got the husband, I got the things. And then it was like the job fell apart. The marriage fell apart. The health fell apart. And I looked for somebody to help me. I thought this would be a really good thing to outsource. You no, know, and I hired a bunch of different people, call them coaches, call them therapists, whatever they might be. But I was looking for something pretty specific, and it wasn't just what should my job be. And so when I hired career coaches, they helped me based on my career. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what my resume shows. Here's my experience. And I, it didn't feel, it was like, okay, but this isn't it. And then I would hire life coaches, and they'd be like, what does your job matter? Just follow your bliss. Follow what you're passionate about. And our purpose really is that Venn diagram of where those two meet. It's not mm -hmm. just skills are. And it's not just what we're passionate about. To find our real purpose is a combination of both. So after about a decade of hiring all different kinds of coaches and bumbling along and I get my life in order and then my career wouldn't be great and I get my career in order, but my life wouldn't be great. I finally realized that my purpose was, as you so aptly said, to help other people find their purpose. So my heart led me 
in all the wrong directions at first. Well, I think my heart was always in the right place, but my mind and my sort of idea of what I was supposed to do and who I was supposed to be and how it was supposed to look really precluded me from probably earlier on just saying what I love is helping people. My undergrad degree is in human and organizational development with a focus on leadership and entrepreneurship. So if I just followed my heart, probably would have gotten here sooner. But I think that what makes me, um, if I do say so myself, great at what I do is the fact that I did work in corporate America for 20 years and I have gone through divorce and I have gone through massive health scares and life changing surgeries. And that when I help other people to find their purpose, it's because I went on a journey to find my own. Mm. Put and what a touching and authentic story. Thank you for sharing so much of yourself with Absolutely. me and with the audience. It, it makes well, I should so say gets to you, Rich, to add in one last layer. I also got sober when I was 35. So it really began this journey of who am I? What matters to me? What's important? What does that look like in every aspect of my life? And so it's taken me a little while to actually get my mind and my heart in the same spot enough to say it's okay to not have a corporate job. You know, and it's okay not to do these more traditional things. And in terms of relationships, I believe that whole people find whole love. That's mm. a quote from Cheryl Strait, but it's so true. I'm not looking for my other half. I'm full. So it's only additive. I already have my purpose. It's only additive to have somebody else on that journey with me. It's not required. Yeah. I, I think there's a, thank God there's been a huge cultural shift from, uh, oh, my job is to show up for my family. My job, uh, by the way, this could be either partner. It doesn't even have to be being the caregiver. I, I get so many men who come to me and say, I don't understand. I've been working so hard to provide for my family. I'm provide I'm showing up for my family. And yet somehow I feel so empty inside. And so I'm curious, what are some of the things that distract us from our real purpose? You just nailed a huge one. I work with a lot of men who come and say that to me. And I work with a lot of women who say the same thing. And it's this idea, this isn't the thing, but a big part of it is this concept of what we should do. And the words should and shame are so incredibly intertwined. And we are brought up in a culture, in a society where caretaking is seen as next to godliness. And there's nothing wrong with that. We applaud firemen and nurses and teachers and doctors. And these are important. I'm not saying these aren't important careers, but that's not a full expression of ourselves. If we put it ourselves last in order for everyone else to go ahead of us, if it's about them winning and their success and their enjoyment, inevitably it causes two main things, resentment and overwhelm. Yeah. And so while we may say to others, it's so good, keep working harder, do it for the team, do it for the family, do it for the kids, do it for the, for the patient, do it for the client, whatever it is. If we aren't whole people and we aren't putting our oxygen mask on literally metaphorically all those things and we don't understand our purpose and we're trying to fulfill somebody else's purpose we're going to feel stuck and lost and met and that resentment can show up in a husband or a wife being like i do so much for this family why don't i get anything in return what's my i'm working so hard to provide for the family but then i'm getting in trouble when I come home because I'm on my phone. Well, of course I'm on my phone. I'm trying to make enough money to provide for the family. And it has to be sort of a, in anything that you do in life, it needs to 
start from a place of, I enjoy this. This is important to me because we can only get so much water from a dry well. Yeah. Well, can I share something a little personal to introduce the next question? Of course. All right, cool. Um, about six years ago, I thought I was fulfilling my purpose. I had started, actually, I had transformed a business that I had started into something that I thought represented my ideals. We were promoting sustainability on the planet. We were doing the right thing for the earth. I had gambled everything back in the 90s on going green. What everyone thought, what is this green thing? Is it just a trend? Because I was committed. I knew that it was do or die. I knew that we either get in harmony with the ecology or we're all going to die anyway. It was like, it was crystal clear to me. All right. Yeah. So in the 90s, I leapt into this. And six years ago, there I was, I was succeeding. I had built more green roofs in New York City than anyone still has to this day, I believe. I haven't really checked, but like I built a heck of a lot of green roofs. Like yeah. I did some amazing work coming from this place. And six years ago, I found myself in the I... kitchen feeling totally isolated and alone and miserable. And I'm like, D pardon, yeah, I'm not going to say it, but WTF, God, what? Like, I thought I was doing what I was made to do. So, what about those people who think they're on, they're living on purpose, but they still don't feel right? That is actually what I specialize in. People who air quotes have it all on paper, but truthfully, they feel meh or stuck or lost or alone or lonely. So, the first thing I always say to people is, are you looking for an external validator to fulfill an internal feeling? So if a client comes to me and says, so what happened was you've got the external accolades, you got the rewards, you got the praise, you got the money, you got the deals. But in that, at some point, you clearly had to put aside some of what you uniquely can do to, that makes you feel lit up for the sake of the bigger cause, the bigger purpose. And what I believe is that we all have something. So I'm really bad at a lot of things. But I'm really a strong communicator and I'm a truth teller. And that's my secret sauce. So I spent 20 years in corporate America trying to make that come to life through marketing roles or sales roles or whatever it might be. And that wasn't what I was supposed to do, right? What I was supposed to do was help people find their purpose. And I tried to do it in these other ways. And my employers would be like, look, your team is phenomenal, but your sales are, you know, whatever it might be. So there's something within changing the environment and all that rich is meant to be doing. Absolutely. Was when you got to that pinnacle of external validation of success, you had lost the thing that you uniquely can do because it became a, a, something bigger than you. So it's not that you shouldn't have done all those things and it wasn't amazing that you did it. It's that there were parts of that that you started to resent or you felt overwhelmed because they actually weren't meant for you to do. They should have been delegated to somebody. That's their purpose. So I'm terrible. It was, it was, it was, it was actually deeper than that. But the motivation, really, it was, uh, well, I'm going to spare you that. So uh, I think what's really- Validation and money and all these things, and then you get it. And that's an outside feeling for an, that's an external validator for an inside feeling that you were- I think what's really important- for the audience to know is that a lot of people experience this either because yes. they're sacrificing for their family or they're sacrificing for a greater cause or whatever it is. And the impact on my family, and I know it isn't different, any different for anyone else, was that I was disconnected from my children, even though I wanted to be. I couldn't figure out why aren't I connected to these kids? My, my wife would never meet my niece. There was never, she, there was either wasn't enough sex because that's where I went. Or it wasn't the right kind of sex if there was enough. It was nothing was ever good enough 
in my relationship back then because nothing was ever good enough in the rest of my life. There you go. What y'all need to know is that when you're in this place, and if you're listening to this and this is ringing a bell for you, the starting point is having a sense of what really does excite you, what really does ring your bell. And so my next question, Rebecca, is how do you get there? I was just going to say that's not where you start, because what I find to be the common theme of everybody is they know that where they are right now isn't working, but they don't know what to do instead. So they jump into action. They hire a coach. They quit their job. They do this. They get a divorce without really understanding their why. So Mm -hmm. what I think is incredibly important is before we jump into action, we understand who the hell am I? What do I want? What are my values? What's important to me? What's holding me back? So I learned the hard way, you know, that due to some childhood stuff, I was very focused on not so much the money, but the external validation, the like, you did a good job, you did a good job. And it didn't matter. That was like scratching an itch. If someone said you did a good job, it felt good for five minutes. And then I just kept chasing more because that was an external thing had to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Once I realized that's what my why was to feel validated and recognized, and I worked through is that healthy. But I also designed like, how can I feel validated by myself? What can I do that makes me feel joyful? I no longer need the external validator. Most clients come to me saying, there's a problem. I need to, I need to get rid of, I can't do this job anymore, or I've got to end my marriage, or I've got to do. We all kind of need to slow down a little bit and not jump into action and actually become aware of who we are and what our why is and our purpose. And that takes a combination of a lot of different things. I should know because I spent about a decade trying to figure it out myself and spent a lot of money on different modalities to get there. I love a silent retreat in Mexico, but I discovered that does not permanently help you find your purpose. It just helps you while you're gone. And and then slowly, once you have more clarity about who you are, what you want, what matters in your life, then the next step is really the confidence to actually do it. Looking at what's holding you back, what are your fears telling you? And then there's the tactical how much control do I have over my future? That the tactics, that's mm-hmm. almost the last thing you should do. The mm-hmm. first, understand, have clarity about who you are. And nice. And how, how do you take those steps? How do you, I think, actually, let me take that question back. So it sounds like what you're saying is, unlike our solution-oriented society, which is, oh my God, something's wrong, we got to fix it, something's wrong, we got to fix it. Unlike that, the first step is self-exploration. What like what? All right, what's really going on here? And, t- and so, what are the, what's involved in that self exploration and that finding, learning more about yourself? And really, what kind of oxygen do you need? Yeah, exactly. I hate to steal from a twelve step program, but I'd like to say I think the very first step is admitting that you're powerless and that your life's unmanageable. And I find that people are very afraid to say that until their knuckles are driving. I know for myself, it was like, I have no career. I have no relationship. I have, my health is in the, before I said, this isn't working for me. It, so I think the first thing is to say, this isn't working. And that I, at least for me, Rebecca Babcock, I'm a hustler. I am a type A, like I'm a get her done kind of gal. Mm-hmm. And what I had to admit was that me at my best, trying as hard as I could, working as hard as I could at it, from every angle, with drinking, exercise, health, career, life, relationship, I, on my own, couldn't figure it out. 
So that's the very first thing. And then if you can say that, and a lot of people are ashamed to admit because they're like, look, I do have it all on paper. I'm not homeless. I'm not miserable. I'm not, you know, I have a career. I have a family. I have a wife or a partner, but I feel mad. So the first step is I feel that way. And then you can. That might even, for some people, that might look like failure. Absolutely. I know for me at the time, um, it actually took a while before I understood that admission that I didn't have the answer, that what I was doing wasn't working and that I didn't know what was next. It took me maybe a year to realize, oh, that, that wasn't failure. That was the first successful thing I actually did. Exactly. But I had I, to get some perspective to see that. In the moment, I was just like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. Failure. And I think that I was the same way. And I know, at least for me, that when I truly almost died, my first surgery where they removed my colon was an emergency surgery. And so I... Mm-hmm from an experience of like when you think you're going to die what you're thinking and feeling and I remember thinking at that time if I die right now I feel like I haven't I didn't procreate I didn't have this hugely influential career what was my reason for being on the planet earth and I know now if I I have a chronic illness it can go sideways at any time that I would be able to say it wasn't perfect I didn't figure it all out perfectly, but I know I'm going to leave the world a little bit better than how I found it with my little thing that I'm doing. And if you don't feel that way, it's okay to say, I feel stuck. I feel lost because we get to, we don't, we aren't humans being, you know, we're not like humans doing things. We're being, and we each have something we're put on this planet earth to do. And I think it's important. It doesn't mean do what I did and leave your corporate job and all those things. But what it does mean is being open to the idea that it's okay to love your life and be joyful in it and not be that caregiver that's like everyone else before me, everyone else before me. Because the Mm. truth is, you find what you're really meant to do. It's not going to feel that hard. It's not going to be so laborious. You're not going to be like, how do I fit this all into my day? I work seven days a week, but I love what I do. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I don't love about it. But for the most part, I'm thrilled to work because I actually enjoy what I'm doing. For some people, that's not changing your job. It's changing your mindset. It's changing your values. It's changing the way you're looking at the things that you do have. For some people, that is changing their career. It just depends. Okay, so we get into, we surrender. To steal from the 12-step world, we surrender. I, I get it. What, you know, what I'm doing isn't working. And I need some help. I, I, don't, I may have the answer, but I, so I had a coach who told me it was like this. He said, it's as if we're all born in a box and the instructions are on the outside. Like sometimes we just need someone else to read them to us. Even though we're the box and the instructions written on us, sometimes we need someone else. Doesn't mean, I say this, if you're stuck in a hole, I'll try and tell the story very quickly, but it's, it, uh, I get stuck in a hole and a doctor comes by and I say, help, I'm stuck in the hole and they throw down a prescription. Okay, cool. That's not all that helpful. And then priest or a rabbi or a religious figure and they throw down a prayer. And then you come by. In this case, you're the one stuck in the hole. And I come by and you say, help, I'm stuck in the hole. And I jump in the hole with you. And you go, what are you doing now? We're both stuck in the hole. And I say to you, yeah, but Rich, I've been here before and I know the way out. Nice. You can't know the way out if you've never been there before. But look, I have. So let me help you. So yes. What happens once you admit I don't, I don't have it all figured out? You become curious, you become willing, you become open-minded, and then maybe you look for someone to help you. And if that someone is me, what I'm going to do is take you on this journey through a combination of 
assessments and traditional coaching and untraditional coaching and all these different modalities to help you really tap into who you really are. And then again, like I said before, it's one thing to have the clarity, but then the confidence to actually pursue it. And then the control, the tactical approaches of what you're going to do. And a lot of times in traditional coaching, if you wanted to learn how to sail, if traditional coaching is seven steps to sailing and you just jump on the water and give it a whirl and, or you go watch a lecture with 5,000 other people and it's all the theoretical, beautiful things about sailing, but you've never been on the water. And so the way I coach with people is very customized one-on-one. So they, we read a chapter about sailing and then they go on the water. If they can't get their life jacket on, it doesn't matter what the 17 next steps are about sailing. They come back to me and say, my life jacket didn't work. We fix that before we get to the next part. So they come back and we either win or we learn. We don't win or lose. And that's very hard to do on your own. So, and I should know, because I spent 10 years bumping up against the wrong solutions a lot of time until I figured out this combination that seems to work really well for people. I'd like to speak to the relationship side of this, yeah. from a personal, both from a personal experience and from a working with people point of view. When you, I start, when I started to figure out my why, as you put it, and I started to figure out how that why made a difference to other people is probably the next best way to put it. One day I looked at my marriage and I realized it was, it actually hadn't gotten any better. Mm -hmm. It was because I had really, in all that time when I had been trying to fulfill my purpose with my sledgehammer and just destroying my sense of purpose along the way. I had neglected that thing. And one day I looked at my marriage. I was like, oh my God, we're literally, we're leading the parallel lives that all the people who come to me for help have been leading and I need to do something about it. And the approach to that was just the same. It wasn't about going to her and saying, honey, our marriage is all messed up. We need to do something about it. It was, all right, what do I need to change in order to allow this to be a safer space for her so that we can be closer together. It took a while. What do I want? What do I want? Is that realistic from this other person? And for me, relationships are marriage, romantic relationships, but it's also, I had three bosses in a row that did very inappropriate, unkind things to me. And career coaches were like, well, just get a new job. And it wasn't until I looked at it from a relationship standpoint and it was like, oh, there's a common thread here from some childhood stuff to my divorce, to bosses, not having appropriate boundaries with them. So part of the relationship thing is if someone comes to me and says, I hate my job or I need to quit my job, the very first thing I ask them is tell me about life at home. Because when we get up in the morning, we put on our pants and our shirt. And a lot of times people just want to look at one side or look at the other. So I think in terms of relationships, it's the same thing. So I know for myself, whether it's professionally, personally, or otherwise, I like to feel needed, wanted, and appreciated and recognized. I've worked on doing that for myself, but I also know in relationship, that's something that I'm going to need. So if I'm interested in someone who can't provide, that's not on them. That's on me. So really understanding what can I provide for myself? What are my expectations? And being able to merely articulate that because you understand it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what you find after a while is number one, right? I can't show up 100% in the relationship unless I'm showing up 100% for myself, which is why people would work with you, Rebecca, is to find that sense of purpose and how do I charge my battery? And number two, nothing can change in the relationship unless I'm the one who's changing. And I've got a whole story about that I'm going to spare the audience. And number three, more hours. Yeah, Go on. Number three, the relationship itself 
has a purpose. And that's like a whole nother podcast episode, but that that is the combined individual sense of purpose is blended together, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I have so much to say on this, but we're probably I'll tell you, it's all another podcast episode. Go ahead. Us a, give us a taste. I just think that part of what we're talking about is that same thing again, where if I understand who I am, what I bring to the table, what I don't bring to the table, what my skill set is professionally, personally, romantically, relationship-wise. I don't expect the same things from somebody else because I understand what I need. I also understand what is on me to do for me. And it, and it does, it just goes back to that whole people find whole love. If we're looking for our career to fulfill us. If we're looking for our partner to make us feel good. If we're looking for our kids to be who we weren't able to be ourselves, we're in trouble, yeah. right? So we're are they. Just, the only yeah. thing that we can be in control of is ourselves. And so the most important thing, any which way you look at it, relationship or anything else, is to understand us because that's the only thing that we can control. Our actions, our behaviors, we're never, we're not in the results business. We're never going to be able to control how somebody else reacts or what, how they behave or what they do, whether they give you the promotion or they want to stay married to you. The only thing we can control is knowing who we are, what we want, what we expect, and being able to vocalize that and act on it with integrity and consistency and truthfulness and all those. Really well said. Hey, Rebecca, how can people find you if they're interested in knowing more about what you do? Yeah. So. Easiest thing is my tongue twister of a name. There are two ways you can find me that are going to be easy. One is my website, which is Rebecca Babcock Coaching. And there's a lot of information on there on how to get in touch. Or in this day and age, I know social media is the way to go. So my Instagram is at RBC, aka Rebecca Babcock Coaching, RBC dot coaching. And we will have all that information in the podcast notes, of course. And I understand that you have a gift for the audience today. I do. I do. I really, truly love what I do. And I also feel like it's important to be able to just give a little bit of this curiosity to people without having to charge for it. So everybody who wants to, there'll be a link, can book a free 15, 20 minute call with me just to see if I can help. And if I can, great, we'll spend more time together. And if I can't, I'll tell you right away because there's probably somebody who can, That's not me. Excellent, excellent. And I highly, I actually have made that 15, 20 minute call. I highly recommend taking Rebecca up on that offer. She will not pressure sale you. She's there for you and to make sure that you walk away with next steps that are right for you. Thanks, Rich. I appreciate that. Yeah, I offer a guarantee. So I turn more people down than who I work with because I need to know I can actually help before I jump in. Sweet. Sweet. Oh, and I have the, the last question that I ask everyone on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is the legacy you want to leave behind? Speak up. I said, what is the legacy? Oh, no, that's the what? legacy. I think the idea oh, that we stuck Let me say it louder. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that in a lot of ways, we all suffer in silence. I had a chronic autoimmune disease that has to do with bowel movement. So I didn't talk about it. I had this feelings of feeling lost and stuck and unsure. And I drank about it and I didn't say anything about it. My marriage wasn't right, but I felt ashamed to say it was. We all have our thing. And a lot of us suffer because we say it could be worse. It could be worse. As far as I'm concerned, rock bottom in any aspect of your life is just as deep as you want to keep digging. So speak up. 
Don't suffer in silence. Don't play the victim. This is your life and you're allowed to love it and feel proud of it and feel enlightened and excited. And it doesn't mean you've got to turn your back on people, places, things, careers, family, or anything else. It just means raise your hand for yourself and live your best, greatest life that's meant for you. Love it. I love it. Speak up. All Speak right. Up. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And maybe we'll get to revisit the couple purpose in another podcast. I'd love that. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's such a All pleasure. Right, have a great day. Bye.